Sounds different. Huh. This, this is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley in dialogue right about now with Mark Lamont Hill, brilliant public intellectual, uh, perennial best-selling author, uh, media personality, uh, professor, uh, and just about anything else he wants to do. Uh, daddy, uh, father, and just an all-around great guy. Mark Lamont Hill, how are you today, sir? I am better now that I'm talking to you, my brother. Woo! Man. What a time we're in. Oh, man, what a time we are in. I'm always better when I hear your voice. Let me just jump right in and make the most of these 30 minutes or less that we have here. So I wanted to talk to you about... Um, um, uh, Rashida uh, Tlaib, um, the only Palestinian American in Congress uh, out of Detroit, of course. She was censored yesterday all over the news. She was censored yesterday as the only Palestinian American in Congress by the House after her defense of this rallying cry that some regard as calling for the elimination of Israel. The specific slogan, glad you asked, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That is the slogan, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. She uh, was in defense of that statement, showed some solidarity with it, did not utter it, but posted something on her socials, uh, again, defending that sort of rallying cry. And for that, she was censured by the House. There were some Democrats, in fact, who joined with Republicans to censure her. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz out of Florida, uh, former chair of the DNC, even went so far as to say on a particular bill that they were voting on that if you didn't support the Israeli position, you didn't have a soul. She actually said that, that if you don't support the Israeli position on this bill, you don't have a soul. Mark Lamont Hill knows something about the volatile nature of this phrase from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Uh, And he joins us now uh, to talk about what happened to him some years ago. I remember this well, Mark, and I've been friends for decades now. When he got fired from CNN uh, for uttering that phrase at a speech he was giving at the U.N., as I recall. So very quickly, take me back to this phrase, your invocation of it at the U.N., what happened at CNN for you, so the audience understands that connection. And then we'll come forward to uh, the congresswoman and what happened to her yesterday. Yeah, man. And, And thank you for asking that question and making that connection. Uh, because sometimes they throw us away, these companies, corporate media outlets, and then people forget, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and justice ain't got nothing to do with none of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Man, uh, I, I got fired. On, I, I gave a speech on November, I believe, 28th uh, of 2018 at the United Nations at the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. And it was not only uh, the 70th, uh, it, it was the anniversary of the Nekbos. It was it was on the 70th anniversary uh, of the what they call the Nekbo, or the Great Catastrophe, when the State of Israel was formed and 700,000 Palestinians were ethnically cleansed from historic Palestine. But it was also the anniversary for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And so I gave a speech essentially showing the parallel, you know, the parallels here, but also the contradictions, and saying the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was supposed to do this, but in Israel, Palestine, we're still dealing with that, mm-hmm. you know, these contradictions. And I said at the end that we must do what justice requires, and that is a free Palestine from the river to the sea. And I got a standing ovation. Everyone was ups- happy. I think the, the, some representatives from Egypt were a little, twi- a little upset because I, I, I critiqued them a little bit, but in general, everyone was happy. Mm-hmm. I get home the next day. 
I get home that day, excuse me, my, my Twitter is go blowing up, but it's from, it was some, from a lot of right-wing extremists who do something called UN watch where they watch the UN looking for, for, for mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day I got a call from CNN. At this point I was a top paid contributor. I got, you know, great reviews. I was on as much as any contributor, uh, they had. Um, and they said, unfortunately we have to let you go. I asked why they said it was, your, your your speech at the UN. I said, well, what did I say that you disagree with? They said, we can't get into the specifics, but it didn't reflect our values. Mm. Um, and that's as specific as they got, but it was very clear from the sources that they leaked and from everyone else in the world that it was that specific phrase, free Palestine from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea, which they said was echoing Hamas's call for the destruction of Israel. Mm. Um, they couldn't have been more wrong, uh, but the truth ain't got nothing to do with it most of the time. How, how, how does that phrase, here's, here's what I want to get to, and we have just trying to manage our time and cover as much ground as we can. Yeah. How, how does that phrase suggest in any way that you are advocating the destruction of Israel? You're talking about a geographic space uh, in, yeah. which, in which these people ought to be free. But how does that equate to draw the line for me, at least as they see it, of how that, and even, and obviously the, the members of Congress bought that argument as well, because Rashida Tlaib got censored yesterday. How, 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 yeah. does, how does that, that, that rallying cry equate to your belief, or even her belief, or anybody's belief, in the destruction of Israel? So I, I, I'll give a, I'll, I'll do it my political opponents don't do. I'll give as fair and reasonable and honest an interpretation of their, or representation of their perspective as possible okay. in, in a few seconds. They, they believe, they're, they're saying that when you call for a free Palestine from the river to the sea, they're basically saying that as Palestine has been struggled over, Israel and Palestine has been struggled over, that for historically when people say from the river to the sea, Palestine, they want a free Palestine, what they mean is that they want the entire land to go back to Arab control and Arab rule, mm-hmm. and, and that it was a call to destroy the, the political state of Israel and to remove Jews from the land. That is their interpretation of from the river to the sea, that mm-hmm. it will be, that, 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 that Arab control would mean that. Now, that has never been what it meant, and necessarily, I can't say that no one has ever meant that, just like I can't say that no one who's ever said black power didn't mean killing white people, right? But that's not what it means, mm-hmm. right? But if I, if I find one group of political extremists and say, well, you know what, that's that they said black power, and therefore, if anybody else who says black power is therefore now saying the same thing, so you're not allowed to say black power anymore. I mean, that's how they're policing the language here. Mm-hmm. But but when the PLO first started saying from the river to the sea in 1964, you got to understand this was this was after the 1948 war, um, and and and, and George, Arab countries controlled many parts of the region. They controlled the Sinai, Egypt controlled the Sinai and the Gaza Strip, and Jordan controlled East Jerusalem and the West Bank. And so they were saying that all of this land should go back to Arabs because it was illegally taken from us. Mm-hmm. They weren't calling for the killing of Jews. There have been Jews in Palestine since before the Zionist movement began in 1882, the first major immigration. There have always been Jews in, in Palestine. There, there have been Arab Jews in Palestine. This was never about Jewish people. The position was never to get rid of Jewish people or to do harm to Jewish people. It was to say that this land was taken from us, and we want to, and we want to regain control of it. But over time, that call has meant something different. That's not even what I meant by it. But I'm saying historically, that's what it actually meant. Mm-hmm. When I say it, or when I said it, uh, I was referring to the fact that there are Arabs or Palestinians in all of these areas. And sometimes when people say free Palestine, they're only talking about the West Bank, mm-hmm. or they're only talking about Gaza, or they're only talking about the Palestinians who make up the 20% of, of the Israeli citizenry. And I'm saying, no, Palestinians need to be free everywhere. 
In the States, we'd say from sea to shining sea, right? We'd be saying, and, and they're saying from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, from Gaza, the West Bank, the Sinai, uh, the Golan Heights, and in the state of Israel, Palestinians, need, we, we, we're demanding freedom for all of them. So from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, now for some people, and, and this is where it gets funky, right? Hold, 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 that, hold, hold that thought one second. This is where it gets funky. Um, and speaking of where it gets funky, um, let me just put a pin in that for a second. So hold your thought, Mark. Uh, we're going to come back to where it gets funky. Uh, but speaking of funky, let me read this. I want to read something right quick. And I'm, I'm doing this. I, I have nothing but mad love for Mark Lamont Hill. When I read what I'm about to read to you, you will understand it's not a push against him. He's my friend, my brother. And I, there, there would never be any daylight between Mark Lamont Hill and yours truly. But I want to read very quickly a letter that I received last night. And when we come forward, I want to talk about why we can't have this conversation in a civil way. So this is a Jewish brother that I've known for years. We've been friends for years. In fact, this Jewish brother is the first one to put me on national television. He sent me an email last night, and I can clean this up. I have to for radio. But the headline says, F. Mark Lamont Hill. He spells out the word, all caps, F. Mark Lamont Hill. And I'm not just saying that to you, Tavis. I essentially said it to him years ago during a very tense email exchange after his despicable remarks encouraging and supporting Palestinian terrorism and lamenting the fact that Israel has an iron drone system, iron dome system rather, to protect its citizens from Hamas bombs while Hamas somehow neglected to create something similar in Gaza. I'm not even going to comment on some of the other recent guests you've had, Tavis. I'll just say as succinctly and as politely as possible, F. Mark Lamont Hill. Talk about it when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Thinking about whole. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. There is breaking news on Israel and Palestine. Um, this uh, war between Israel and Hamas specifically. Israel has agreed to these four-hour pauses uh, in uh, this Gaza military operation so that um, uh, civilians can be evacuated from the conflict zone. You recall our Secretary of State Antony Blinken was pressing for this days ago. Uh, and B.B. Netanyahu, as I said in the first hour today, gave uh, Blinken the Heisman uh, and said, back up off me, uh, back up off me, B-A-C-K-U-P off me. Uh, and now today uh, we're told that they have, in fact, agreed to these four-hour pauses which uh, seems absurd to me. I digress on that. We'll get Mark uh, Lamont Hill's take on that uh, and some other breaking news uh, in a moment. But for now, before I get to this letter that I read from a, a guy I've known for 30 plus years who I've regarded as a friend for three decades, I was just stunned. I mean, I literally I was I talked to another friend of mine last night and read to them what uh, this guy had sent to me. And I, I was just heartbroken, just stunned uh, that people in this conversation have just lost, I think, their moral compass isn't working. They've just lost all sense of direction. Uh, and they can't revel in the humanity and dignity of anybody else except their own. And we're we're sinking yeah. down. We're going down the rabbit hole, man. So we'll talk about that letter in a moment. Uh, and Mark's going to be around for a few extra minutes here with this breaking news that's happening. But, Mark, let me ask you right quick to finish your thought. You said, but here's where it gets funky. And for those who may have just tuned in, we're talking about Rashida Tlaib, uh, Detroit congresswoman, the only Palestinian-American in Congress <clears throat> who was censured yesterday. 
uh, for defending this statement or showing a defense of the statement from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Mark Lamont Hill knows something of that. He used that phrase in a speech at the U.N. some years ago. As a result, CNN fired him, saying it doesn't comport with our values. He was explaining how that phrase uh, is interpreted by some uh, as calling for the destruction of Israel. And then you said, but here is where it gets funky. Take it away. Where it gets funky is there has, there's no space to have a conversation about how Israel should exist, right? So, because effectively, what the argument becomes is, if you do anything to change the demographic reality of Israel, for example, if Tavis Smiley were to say, I think that refugees should go back, be allowed back into their homes, they could say to you, Tavis, well, if you think refugees should come back, then the refugees would then outnumber the number of Jews who are there. The number of Arabs would outnumber the number of Jews that are there. And if the Arabs outnumber the number of Jews, then they would then they would get rid of the Jewish state. And if you get rid of the Jewish state, then, then Jews are then vulnerable to death. And therefore, by asking for the right of return, which is enshrined in international law, you are calling for the death of Jews, and therefore the right of return is anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the, the syllogisms that you have to follow. So what basically happens is when if I say Palestine should be free or river to the sea. They're not. It's not a call necessarily for what they call Judenrein, right? It's not necessarily a call of physically killing Jews. But what they're mm-hmm. saying is that even rendering Jews vulnerable to um, to demogra- to being outnumbered demographically, or or, or 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 not having a Jewish state as such, all of those things are anti-Semitic by definition. And so the funky part is. I could stand up here right now and say, look, I don't want any harm to come to Jews. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't want any terrorism to happen. That's true. I don't want an, uh, uh, any violence to happen against Jews. That's a thousand percent true. I am. I was horrified by what happened on October 7th. Mm-hmm. I was mortified by hearing that 1,400 civilians were killed. It's inexcusable. It's indefensible. It doesn't allow my faith, my values, my principles, my beliefs, or my politics. I can say all of that, and it's true, a thousand percent. But the problem is I also believe in a one-state solution. And just by virtue of me saying a one-state solution, they'll be back to F. Mark Lamont Hill again. And yeah. by they, I mean people who support who who, who support yeah. the existence of a Jewish state. I'm not talking about Jews. I'm saying when sure. I say they, I'm talking about it. anybody who has this position, including Joe Biden. Yeah. Let's talk about that letter that I read, uh, that email I received last night, uh, the headline, F. Mark Lamont Hill. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill uh, is, is a brilliant public intellectual, author of a number of books, including one called Except for Palestine, The Limits of Progressive Politics. Paper. It's in paperback now. It's called Except for Palestine, The Limits of Progressive Politics, now out in paperback. More with Mark Lamont Hill when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smart. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. I've only got two and a half minutes left between now and the top of the hour. Mark Lamont will stay with us uh, uh, into the next hour uh, to cover some more of this breaking news. I want to read this letter again for those who may have just tuned in and not heard it uh, and get Mark's initial thoughts and we'll continue when we come forward on the other side. Uh, again, somebody I've known for 30 years, uh, the person who literally, literally first put me on national television and I'm not even sure, Mark, that our friendship is going to survive this. And I'm just being honest. And I didn't even respond to it last night. I didn't even respond. But my, 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 read is, my view is that the hubris and the gall to send me yeah. a note like this, telling me who I can have on my show, uh, and, and using that kind of language in a headline, critiquing what I do. You don't have to agree with every guest I have on this program. But you do not. You do not send me notes saying F any of my guests. F Mark Lamont Hill. 
I read a game. And I'm not just saying that to you, Tavis. I essentially said it to him years ago during a very tense email exchange after his despicable remarks encouraging and supporting Palestinian terrorism and lamenting the fact that Israel has an iron dome system to protect its citizens from Hamas bombs while Hamas somehow neglected to create something similar in Gaza. I'm not even going to comment on some of your other recent guests, Tavis. There's a dig. Um, I'll just say Mm. as succinctly and politely as possible, F. Mark Lamont Hill. So you dig in again and you drop that F-bomb again uh, about Mark Lamont Hill. Let me just ask just a a quick response uh, and then we'll we'll come forward, Mark. When you you see stuff like that, people just heard you say a moment ago, you you want no harm to come to any Jew. You want no harm to come to Israel. You laid it out brilliantly and yet people can't make a distinction between that or they can't accept that love for the Israeli people with your critique at the same time. Yeah, it's again, that's why I wrote a book called Except for Palestine. We can accept that for anybody else, any place else. I critique Saudi Arabia all the time. I critique Mohammed bin Salman. I don't even know if I can go to Saudi Arabia. In fact, I critique Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia so much. But it doesn't mean that I hate Muslims. It doesn't mean that I hate Saudis. It doesn't mean that I hate anyone else. It just means I have a critique of how the government not only functions, but is structured. I ain't going to lie to you, Tavis. I, I, don't know, I don't even know who this person is, mm-hmm. who I allegedly had this exchange with. And he's totally misrepresenting my position on the Iron Dome and everything else, which we can talk about later. But... But but it's, I still find it deeply hurtful, man, because I, I, I do this work because I love not just my people, black people, but I have a profound love for all of humanity. I I, I literally defended Jonathan Greenblatt in the ADL three weeks ago when Elon Musk was being anti-Semitic. I stood in front of, you know, the, the Tree of Life, not stood in front of literally, but I stood there with Jewish people when the Tree of Life Synagogue was attacked. I, I stand out and speak out against anti-Semitism from all corners. That is not what this is about. And I'm not trying to be the white guy that points to his black friends. I'm saying that my record as activism is, is consistent. My, I have a moral consistency, even when it pisses black people off. You know, mm-hmm. I have to be honest and I got to so, tell the truth. So, so, so why then is it so difficult for us to have this conversation in a civil way? We'll talk about that and the news <clears throat> that Israel is going to agree to these four-hour pauses when we come forward. You're listening to Mark Lamont Hill on Tavis. Uh, we continue now our conversation, given all the breaking news in the Middle East. Uh, we continue now with uh, the brilliant public intellectual Mark Lamont Hill, author, professor. Um, he uh, uh, has a book out about the subject that we're discussing. Uh, it's called Except for Palestine, The Limits of Progressive Politics. We'll talk about the limits of progressive politics when we move forward. But uh, the breaking news today is that Israel has agreed to four-hour pauses uh, in uh, Gaza military operations. Um, as I said earlier, this would be laughable if it weren't so serious. Um, but, um, you know, Blinken, uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, uh, uh, apparently has finally been successful at getting Israel to agree to these pauses. Bibi Netanyahu initially pushed back against that, Mark Lamont Hill. But before we get to why we can't seem to have a civil conversation about this issue, um, your thoughts on that breaking news out of Israel? Uh, it, it speaks directly to the limits of progressive politics. I mean, there are people right now who, who are going to call this a victory, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this were any other crisis, we'd be saying that this is an fa- epic failure. Mm-hmm. Um, a humanitarian pause, first of all, was always deliberately vague. Uh, it's technocratic. A pause could be an, an hour. It could be 15 minutes. And now they're saying four hours right now. And then what could happen in a week or, or an hour, as they say, well, Hamas is so... Uh, vigilant that we have to shorten the pause periods. 
to a to, to a day or excuse me to an hour or fifteen minutes. We just don't know. I mean, the, the fundamental problem with the humanitarian pause um, is that it doesn't give adequate time for people's needs to be met. We have never seen this amount of um, of carnage in in Gaza, we've, and we've seen awful moments in Gaza, like in two thousand fourteen. Um, but we've never, or 2020, we've we've never seen anything like this. The Gaza, the Gaza Strip, for anyone, people who haven't been there, is 25 miles long and it's five miles wide. It's very, 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 very dense. To move 2.2 million people around in such a small space is nearly impossible. And over a four-hour period to move someone from, say, Khan Yunus, which is in the north, just to get to just to get twenty five miles, you can't do that quickly with two point two million people. It's like it's like telling somebody to get across L A. in twenty minutes mm-hmm. at, 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 at eight a. m. <laughs> you know, or, 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 you know. Yeah. And so we gave you time. It's mm-hmm. only it's only two miles, Tavis. Why, mm-hmm. why, why did it take you two hours? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and 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 so we have to think about that from a practical standpoint. People's needs are hospital, their their medicine. It's 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 shelter. It's 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 actually uh, shift not just houses but shelter from weaponry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things happening, and four hours simply isn't enough. It's not enough to move people. It's not enough to get people to get the people's needs met. Mm-hmm. And what the problem is because, and this is the last thing I'll say, because the Israeli state has 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 been very clear in saying that um, that normal conventions of war around targeting civilians or taking a sufficient care to make sure that civilians are not targeted, because those things are not being met. After the four hours over, there's a really good chance you could still be in the line of fire as a, as a Gazan civilian. Mm. And that's why we've seen thousands of innocent people killed already. Yeah. Um, when I saw this news breaking uh, today uh, that they were going to agree to these humanitarian four-hour pauses, uh, this is a metaphorical, uh, this is metaphorical, it's an allegory, but you'll, you'll take my point, I think, Mark. I thought about the, the line from, from Malcolm, if you put a knife nine inches in my back, <laughs> mm-hmm. And you pull it out six, <laughs> you know that that's really not progress, right? There's still three inches of knife in my back, uh, and so right. I, I take your point. It, it, again, it's it's metaphorical, but I, I thought of Malcolm's words. That's that's really not progress when you pull it six inches out. Uh, I still right. got three inches in my back, man. And so these pauses, I, I don't know what is to be accomplished really by these pauses. It seems to me to be much ado about nothing. But 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 that that's my that's my read of it. And I'm with you. Uh, I don't see this as a victory. Speaking of a victory. Um, we've already established in this conversation that the State Department still is holding firm on not allowing uh, any one of their personnel, including, of course, Secretary of State Blinken and, of course, the president in the White House. Nobody is using the term ceasefire. Uh, nobody right. is allowed to use that term. Nobody's allowed to use the term de-escalation. Uh, we were talking earlier, and you saw this, uh, this full-page ad in the New York Times, over 350 uh, black uh, clergy signing off on this uh, letter, this full-page ad, rather, in the in the New York Times, ceasefire now. The protests are growing. The calls for ceasefire are growing. And yet uh, there are many uh, in this conversation who think that a ceasefire, that a de-escalation would be an absolute victory for Hamas. To those who feel that way, you say what? That a ceasefire is the most civil, humane, reasonable and i'm going to add legal way to achieve any remaining semblance of justice the argument that a ceasefire only emboldens hamas only creates more violence only creates more unrest is not one that i don't take seriously right i I understand what they're i understand their argument the problem with that argument is even if i were to concede that point which i don't but even if i were to concede that point to bomb 
Gaza to the point where millions of people will never have homes again, where millions of where tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people die, will not only effectively cleanse or at least depopulate mm-hmm. uh, Gaza, but it will create far more terrorism, far more violence. What do you think the fourteen-year-old boy who, who who has to watch his children, his his his, his friends die, is getting? You think he's not getting radicalized mm-hmm. by this right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spoke to a man in Gaza yesterday, and I was in tears as he told me, Tavis, um, he, he, as he told me that he watched an unfed dog go out and finally eat off the carcass of a boy who of, of a of a small boy whose carcass had been buried under the rubble. This is where we are. Mm. And if people think that that's not going to produce radicalization, that that's not going to produce more violence, not just, not just from uh, what's going on in the Gaza Strip, but also in surrounding areas. What does Hezbollah do now? Yeah. What does Iran do now? Hold, hold that thought. I want, I want to come to Hezbollah. I want to come to Iran. Um, and you saw that we had um, uh, brief but uh, significant military operations inside of Syria. Uh, the U.S. Uh, announced yesterday we, we we dropped some bombs and blew a few things up in Syria yesterday, trying to remind these Arab nations don't get involved in this. There are concerns, every uh, increasing concerns about the escalating uh, potential escalation of this war. We'll talk about that in a great deal more. Our guest is Mark Lamont Hill. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. I'm pressing my way toward um, a conversation with Mark Lamont Hill about the letter that I read uh, twice already uh, uh, from uh, somebody I've known for uh, 30 years uh, who uh, can't abide the fact that Mark and I are friends and that Mark and I are having this conversation. Um, but before I get to that and this conversation about why it's so impossible for us to have a civil conversation uh, about Palestine. That's why. That's why Mark called his book "Except for Palestine: The Limits of Progressive Politics." Let me give you the microphone, uh, Mark, right quick to talk about two things that you were basically working your way toward. Anyway, one is this notion of um, radicalization. When these folk in yeah. in Gaza, in Palestine, when they see what's happening, they they're losing their family members, they're losing their loved ones, they're losing their parents, they're losing their siblings, they're losing their cousins. So many of these people who are being murdered in Palestine, as we know, are young people and babies. Um, so talk to me about uh, about future radicalization. And so when here, yeah. when, when Bibi says, we're going to we're going to crush, we're going to destroy Hamas. Not so fast, because all you're doing is radicalizing another generation of young people. So this thing never ends, number one. So talk about radicalization and then talk about you think the threat, the, re- the, re- the very real threat we're facing right now of escalation in the region. So those in the region. So those are my two words for you. Radicalization and escalation. Take it away. Yeah. Well, let's talk about escalation. And this actually connects to the letter your friend wrote. When I when I talked about the Iron Dome right. years ago, I, I wasn't lament. I didn't lament that Israel could defend itself. That was never the point. It was in the middle of a siege. And what I was saying is norm, normally in war, when both sides are taking so many losses, um, eventually the, the loss of, of your own citizens makes you stop at some point and say, hey, let's come to a peace deal. The problem is there's such an imbalance between Gaza and Israel, which is why when you say the Israel-Gaza war or Israel's war on Hamas, it makes it sound like it's two equivalents fighting when, in fact, it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is when you have an Iron Dome system, which is a missile defense system, it also serves, I was arguing, an offensive function to the extent that Israel can, uh, Hamas does not have the capacity 
to send rockets targeted. They don't have the capacity to defeat Israel in a military war. They know that. And this is not a defense of Hamas. This is saying, look, this, this is part of the danger of Hamas. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but Israel has no motivation to stop because they can keep inter- intercepting uh, Hamas's missiles and keep killing more innocent people. My concern isn't for Hamas. My concern is for the innocent people who keep getting killed. And because the, the Iron Dome has expanded uh, 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 Israel's military advantage, and the United States has pledged to always give Israel a qualitative military advantage, which I talk about in my book, except for Palestine, it means that there's, the war will never stop. The war will never stop. That's what I'm afraid of. And if the war never stops, yes, it leads to radicalization, because 50% of the Gazan population is under, is under 18 years old, 49% to be exact. So that means that those babies who never voted for Hamas, Hamas got, uh, got elected eight, 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. So most of the people, half, half of Gaza didn't, more than half of Gaza didn't vote for them. They only got 44% of the vote back then. Almost nobody alive in Gaza right now voted for Hamas. And none of these babies who are getting killed voted for Hamas. And none of the p- these babies who are watching their friends get killed voted for Hamas. So they don't give a damn about Hamas at that level. What they give a damn about is that they keep getting killed. They keep getting shot at. Their mothers, their fathers, their neighbors are getting killed. Their homes are being crushed. Their mosques are being destroyed. Their churches are being destroyed. All violations of international law, by the way. All of this is happening, and they're watching it. That's not going to make them want peace. That's not going to make them want um, uh, to not get organized and, and fight what they will believe is a righteous fight. So we, and we, we've seen this in Afghanistan. We've seen this in Iraq. We've seen this in Sudan. We've seen this in Libya. We've seen, I mean, we, we could go all around the world. We see this movie over and over again. The problem is there's too much money in the U.S. defense industry. We, the, the, Wall Street is making money off the war. They don't want the violence to stop. Israel wants to destroy Hamas, so they don't want the violence to stop. Hamas knows they can't win, but they want to bring so much violence to Gaza that the whole world loses uh, sympathy and solidarity with Israel, so they don't want the war to end. The problem, as Gil Scott Heron says, is everybody wants peace. The problem is you can't make no money off of it. Mm. So what we got to do is reimagine this whole thing, right? And, and so if we don't, you're going to see Hezbollah get more involved in the north, in particular in the north. If we don't get involved, you're going to see other Arab nations. This is what the and I, I, the, the Abraham Accords were partly a they called it a peace deal. Well, the peace deal was an arms deal. It was an arms deal with countries that were never at war anyway. They, they, you ain't never heard about the Israel versus Morocco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was never a beef. It's, me and Tavis Smiley don't need to sign a peace deal because we ain't never had no beef, right? Mm-hmm. Israel and Morocco ain't had, haven't had a, haven't had a military issue in over seventy years. So that so all it was was an arms deal. So those nations won't get involved, but there are nations that will get involved, which then brings the U.S. involved. And what we don't want is World War III. My goal is to create an agreement where no Jews get harmed, where no Palestinians get harmed, where no Druze get hard, harmed, where no foreign wars get prosecuted, and where we don't get ourselves involved in it. And the answer to that is ceasefire. Mm-hmm. And yet the administration at the moment does not want to hear ceasefire. I repeat once again that there's a full-page ad <laughs> that we saw in the New York Times signed by over 350 black clergy uh, demanding that Biden administration uh, immediately call for a ceasefire. But that language, ceasefire, de-escalation, again, not language that the Biden administration is prepared to use as yet. The best they can do at the moment are these four-hour pauses that we learned today are going to ha- start happening today, in fact, these for our pauses in Gaza uh, that Israel has agreed to take. Let me let me turn now in the nine minutes I have left with you. Uh, let me turn now to this broader conversation about why it is so impossible for us to have a civil conversation about these issues. I look at the things 
that are being said online um, that are vicious. Uh, I, yeah. I, I referenced early, earlier Debbie Wasserman Schultz, congresswoman out of uh, Florida, uh, Jewish sister, who basically said if you don't vote with her position on this, you ain't got a soul. Uh, yeah. I, I look at Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American uh, serving in Congress, who got censured yesterday for her defense of this statement, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I look at the letter that I read already twice uh, from uh, a guy I've known for 30 years uh, that I thought yeah. was just way across the line. I don't think friends talk to friends that way. And sometimes you got to sometimes you got to fight with your friends. No question about it. I, sometimes you got to fight with your friends because your friends ain't always right. But I don't believe there's anything that we ever have to say to another human being that we cannot find a way to say or do in love. It's not always easy. But telling me F my friend Mark Lamont Hill is not expressing yourself in love. And you can do better than that. And so I'm concerned about the incivility, the incivility of this conversation. I'm not naive about all the backstory and all the history. But why, Mark Lamont Hill, can we not seem to have a civil conversation about this uh, and come to a place where we acknowledge that the life of a Palestinian baby has the same value as the life of a Jewish baby and vice versa. You know, I, I think part of it is that history. I mean, I, I would say, you know, and first let me just say to my sister Rashida Talib, um, I was appalled that she was censured by Congress. We've had Klan leaders in Congress, child molesters in Congress, mm-hmm. adulterers in, con- in Congress, and we somehow haven't censured them. Um but I will say this, one more thing, is that in 1842, a man named Joshua Reed Giddings was censured on the House floor. And he was, he was censured after slaves that revolted aboard a ship called the Creole, and they sailed it to Nassau, and they got free. And my point is, he was censured for condemning slavery. So the U.S. House of Representatives has a long history of censuring mm. people on the wrong side of history. So y'all should just hold that in your pockets, right? Mm-hmm. It, it may turn to be a badge of honor. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say that and leave that right there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this issue, part of it is there is such a long history of anti-Semitism in the world. The hatred of Jewish people has such a deep and, and, and long-standing, lingering history. And, and we take that very seriously. And, when, and, and, and the challenge is Zionist movement was so bound up in providing relief and peace and safety for Jewish people, which they deserve because every place that they've been the minority, they have been subjected to hatred and pogroms and, and murder and, and false allegations and smears and blood libels and all the things. It's absolutely true. And for that reason, Jewish people deserve safety and protection. The challenge is Zionism, political Zionism, the movement that led to the formation of, of the state of Israel, it, it conflates the political dimension of this to the religious dimension mm-hmm, of this. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is we're taught that Zionism is the only expression of Judaism and that Israel is the ultimate embodiment of, 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 Jewish, of, of Jewish, of the Jewish kind of spiritual and political imagination. What does that mean? It means that if I criticize Israel, I'm criticizing Jewishness. If I challenge Zionism, I'm challenging Jews. If I don't agree with the state of Israel as it, as it is formed, then I am saying that I don't want Jews to be safe. And the truth is, I want Jews to be as safe as anybody else in this world. I believe that every single person deserves the same thing. And as you said, all these babies are worth the same. All of them. Mm. But we can't. But the problem is we, we've been conditioned to believe that those two things are tied up. I'm going to say two more quick things that I think are really important. One is for black folk at the political level, 
We believed in nationalism. Marcus Garvey believed in the Zionist movement. W.E.B. Du Bois believed in the Zionist movement because we knew what it was like to be oppressed. We knew what it was like to be in the wilderness, right? And we mm-hmm. understood what that meant to want to get your own space so that you could be free. And so we identified with that tradition. So we long identified with that. That identification with the Zionist political movement is also tied to the fact that our own liberation struggles here have happened partly because Jewish brothers and sisters have stood next to us, Mm -hmm. and they have stood next to us so deeply. And I think there's a sense of betrayal from some of our Jewish brothers and sisters when they say, we've stood next to you, why are you not standing next to us for our issue? But the problem, the contradiction there is, I will stand next to my Jewish brothers, I'll go into the fire, I'll get fired from 10 CNNs, I will get shot for, I'll take a bullet from my Jewish brothers and sisters. But we got to all be on the right side of history. And standing with Israel is not standing with Jewishness any more than standing with Saudi Arabia is standing with Muslimness. We can't look at it that way. And so that's where the disagreement comes. And then finally, our, our own spiritual traditions are bound up in this. We don't, we don't identify with, it, with Exodus. We don't identify with what it, mean, what it means to get out of Pharaoh's land. We can't, we've identified with these stories so much that we feel a religious attachment to the state of Israel and to the Holy Land. And some of that is bound up in our own <laughs> in the days theories and eschatology and all that stuff. We, mm-hmm. That's another story for another time. But the point is, we got spiritual attachments, religious attachments, you know, uh, 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 political attachments. We got all cultural and social connections. All this stuff makes this thing messy. And so we have to be able to tell the truth to each other in love, be, be critical of each other in love, and arrive at new political possibilities. But we can't begin from the premise that anybody who has a different position doesn't want me alive. At the same time, we have to recognize that we have open enemies that don't want us alive. But the the funkiest part of all of this, this is the last thing I'll say about it, is some of the people who actually don't love y'all, and when I say y'all, I'm talking to black folk, I'm talking to my Jewish brothers and sisters, I'm talking to women, I'm talking to queer folk, I'm talking to trans folk, a lot of these folk who are emerging from the Trump movement, from the right, they, may, they hate Jewish people and love Israel. Mm-hmm. And, and so oftentimes we're aligning ourselves politically with people who serve a poli- particular political agenda, which makes sense. We all do that. Mm-hmm. But let's not confuse the thing here. I, I, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I love y'all. I want us to be free. I want every one of us to be free. I want peaceful coexistence. I want Palestine to be free from the river to the sea. But I, that, for me, that means... Everybody's safe, including Jewish brothers and sisters. Not one person should leave that land. Not one person should be vulnerable. Not one person should be harmed. Jew, Druze, uh, 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 Arab, I don't care what you are. You should be able to stay and live in safety, dignity, self-determination, and justice. I'll close on this note. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I speak for Mark in this regard, not that I need to, but I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of these false equivalencies uh, to, to, to black folk. Uh, people suggesting if these were black people, no, 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 no. It's a false equivalency, number one. I ain't got time to unpack it. And number two, it, it, it's furthermore not true because in Rwanda uh, and in other places around the globe, did nobody rush in to help them when there was ethnic cleansing right. going on. So don't get me started on that. Finally, I'll just say this. Uh, to Mark's point about anti-Semitism, I believe it's next week. If not, it's the week after, but I think it's next week. Um, one of my long time, I do have some other Jewish friends who have not sent me letters saying F my other friends. <laughs> but um, one, of my, <laughs> one of my friends is a guy named Steve Leader. He is the rabbi, uh, very well known, the rabbi of the largest synagogue uh, west of Mississippi. It's the Wilshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles. Uh, we've known each other for 30 years, been dear friends, and he's coming on this program, the rabbi, uh, major, major, player 
uh, to talk for an hour about anti-Semitism and, and why, you know, there are certain things that they regard as anti-Semitism that we do not. Uh, and Mark just made the point. If I don't agree with your politics, that does not mean I'm anti-Semitic. So Steve and I are going to get into it for an hour uh, talking about anti-Semitism, what is and what isn't. That happens on this program, I believe, next week. For now, let me thank my dear friend and brother Mark Lamont Hill. Uh, except for Palestine, The Limits of Progressive Politics is his book. You can uh, follow his YouTube channel. you got to check out his YouTube channel. It's at Mark Lamont Hill Official. That's his YouTube channel, Mark Lamont Hill official uh and uh mark i appreciate you uh you're working your witness and just know brother there's no daylight ever between us and then nobody ever gonna tell me i can't talk to you on my program or any place else for that I, pre- I i love you man i appreciate you and tell that friend of yours that i say f him too i forgive him because <laughs> he don't know no better uh that's mark lamont Hill. more of tab when we come forward